Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 77 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, his name is Dave, and we have been your hosts for 76 episodes thus far. And we're glad to be back for number 77. Yes, we are. It's still, still very exciting. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how you doing? Doing all right. You wouldn't guess by that awkward situation that we've done this 76 times before, but... <laughs> <laughs> So, got any pets? <laughs> Although, oh, sorry. That's quite all right. Hmm. <laughs> well, now that we've thoroughly gotten that out of the way, Dave, we have finished the first, well, we started at the very end of chapter four of Matthew with the temptation of Jesus. That's where we started. All the way back in episode one, January 1st, 2015. Mm-hmm. And we are now starting chapter twenty-two of Matthew. Yes, we have we have covered a lot of well, it's a lot of ground until you realize it's taken us almost what nineteen months to do that. Yeah. But we have made it to, to chapter twenty-two, and we have another parable to discuss. But before we do that, I want to tell our listeners something. Okay. We now have a YouTube channel. Oh. And, well, we've had it for a while. It just hasn't really been used. And I decided that I was going to start posting our podcast episodes on YouTube. So if you know someone that uh, would be interested in this podcast uh, based on, you know, the content or um, you just think that they might appreciate the the conversation we have going on here but they're not really into like subscribing to podcasts and listening to, they're more of a youtube person well you can just say hey here's this podcast i listen to you don't have to download it you can just go to youtube and listen to it and now the video is just our cover art for the time being but wow. it's on youtube so if they're interested they can uh, go to it we'll have a link in the show notes to our YouTube channel because it's youtube.com slash channel slash gobbledygook because you have to have a hundred subscribers to have a fancy one. Oh really? Which is weird because I have my own YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cam Brennan, that is slash Cam Brennan and I do not have a hundred subscribers. Hmm. So how long ago did you do it? A long time. It, so it, well changed. it started out it started out as the youth group's YouTube channel, oh. but I did it with my email. So if you actually go to youtube.com slash the switch FBC, you'll get to my, oh, that's funny. <laughs> my YouTube channel. Um, but you can also get there uh, by saying Cam Brennan. So they might've changed that. Um, so if we get to hundred subscribers on YouTube, then we can get the custom fancy URL of youtube.com slash super megacorp. Unless I'm doing something terribly wrong. Which, there's a strong possibility that that's the case. But based on what I read, I need to do some more research on it. Um, so anyways, there is, um, there's that. We'll have a link in the show notes. And you can go check out our, uh, our YouTube channel. That would be cool. All right. Tell all your friends. <laughs> and also, since we're, we're asking you to do things for us, uh, if you guys do enjoy the show... Um, and have enjoyed it for a while. It would be really cool um, and humbling if you guys would leave us a review on iTunes. Um, the reason we ask for this is not for you to 
make us feel better by saying, oh, I love this podcast. They're the best. They're so smart. They never say anything wrong, which you shouldn't put in the review because that's disingenuous. We say wrong things all the time. But a review on the podcast lets iTunes know that there are active listeners. And when iTunes knows that there are active listeners, iTunes pays more attention to the podcast, which would help us reach more people that might enjoy um, this conversation and benefit from it and vice versa. We could benefit from reaching new people that would have insights into what we're talking about that we don't have. And as we've always said, that's what this is about mm-hmm. is Dave and I sharing our opinions, but also wanting to learn from other people whose experiences and knowledge are different than ours when it comes to uh, living life uh, as a Christian and a follower of Jesus. So if you want to check out the YouTube channel, that would be great. Link in the show notes. If you want to leave a review for us on iTunes, that would be awesome. You just go to iTunes, podcasts, and search for us. Or if you listen in the podcast app on your phone, there's probably a link to leave a review because it's built in, I believe. Don't yeah. quote me on that because I use a different podcast player. <sighs> a lot of information. Yeah, i got to breathe more. <laughs> But anyways, that would be really cool. We appreciate the fact that you guys listen. Big thumbs up from me. And you get a smile from Dave. <laughs> you know, if this were a video podcast, Dave, they could they could see how genuine that smile was. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we? Sure. All right. We are going to read the parable of the wedding feast. Would you do the honor, sir? Yes, we're at Matthew 22. And again, Jesus spoke to them a parable saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. And again, he sent other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared a dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, uh, the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Yeah. So this is a, this is kind of brutal. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is two brutal parables in a row. Oh, yeah. Lots of people dying. Lots of, you know, important people dictating things to other people. And mm-hmm. lots of rebellion. Um, I feel like we're going to find a lot of similarities between this one and the last one. But I feel like there's a few key differences to these scenarios that I think are going to help us hopefully better understand who God is, what his kingdom is for, and who it's for. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. If... if we, you know, uh, 
speak clearly and, and think clearly. Hopefully we can get there. Um, so one of the first differences I noticed between this parable and the parable of the tenants, which we covered in the last two episodes, actually, um, is that in the first parable, the parable of the tenants, uh, the owner of the vineyard sets it up for them, but they still have to work it. They still have to every day make the vineyard do what a vineyard is supposed to do. Producing the fruit, planting the fruit, harvesting the fruit, nurturing the fruit, and then waiting while it turns into wine. Whereas this one, these people were just invited to a party. And they all freaked out and said no and started killing people. Yeah. <laughs> like it's when you see this story, you almost look at the last one and go, okay, I could get why the workers would get upset that this, you know, absentee landlord, if you want to call him that, from their perspective anyhow, uh, comes back and then decides he wants the fruit of all their labors, even though it's his stuff and they're being paid to do it. This one, the guy's just inviting everyone to a wedding. And some of them decide, I'm so angry you invited me to come drink, eat, and dance for free that I'm going to murder your servant. Like This one to me makes no sense. From the why wouldn't they go to this guy's party? I mean, unless it was, you know, someone truly terrible, like Hitler was throwing a feast and he was inviting all the Jews to come hang out at his party. You can understand why they would react that way. Yeah. Um, but I think hopefully, again, at the end of this, we'll understand. Uh, we'll have some discussion on, on human nature and sin and the, the, uh, the blinding it can cause to an obviously good invitation. Mm-hmm. So what are your initial thoughts? Um, well, both uh, our previous parable and this parable are talking about the kingdom of heaven. And it's not something that I think we really spend a lot of time uh, really digging into and what is the kingdom of heaven and um, really paying attention to what, well, I I guess I don't do a good job of paying attention to what uh, he's talking about with the kingdom of heaven because I very much kind of have this idea of, oh, the kingdom of heaven is after I die and you go to heaven and that sort of thing. And um, and I, again, it's kind of this, well, it's, it's a nice place. It's a happy place. It's the, you know, but both of these stories are very violent stories. And I guess ultimately, if you think about what, you know, Jesus did or had happened to him that was very violent uh, as well and um as christians we i think we tend to we push the violence away uh or at the most it, we'll, we'll even kind of tolerate of well that's the old testament god was a violent vengeful wrathful God yeah, but he went and saw a shrink, and now he's not angry anymore. Yeah. But I even had that thought as you were talking of like, man, this sounds really Old Testament. And then I'm thinking, but wait a minute, Jesus is about to get beaten and tortured and murdered in the most heinous way they knew how to. Mm-hmm. So maybe I need to check my, you know, this is too violent for the New Testament thing. So the fact that you're, I mean, that's exactly what was going on in my head as you were talking. So that's, you know, just, I, I, we got a glimpse of it last time. Uh, oops. Um, 
and then this to me is is a little bit more while I understand the previous parable a little bit better in terms of why things would happen, I feel like this is a much more direct um sort of comparison in terms of uh you know um God being the king and him giving this awesome opportunity, this awesome gift, this awesome just sort of why would you not take it kind of an opportunity and ultimately what how humanity responds to that. And so yeah, it's one of those situations where when you read it in a story like this, again, it's that whole um David and Nathan scenario where Nathan tells him the story and and David hears it and goes, "Oh, that's ridiculous. Who would ever shame on that? Who would ever do that?" And then he's like, "Oh, but it's you." Yeah. And so when you read when you read this, again, I'm going to repeat myself. This person this king. So when a king throws a wedding, you know it's going to be a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. There's what what's the downside of a wedding? You get stuck next to the crazy uncle at the table, right? But there's there's wine, there's food, there's dancing, there's storytelling. All all of that is fun and enjoyable and it's like a free date. Mm-hmm. You get a nice, you get to get dressed up and fancy and you get a nice dinner and you get and these people are just acting as if he's offering them cyanide or, or some, you know, just terrible thing. And when you read it like this, it seems like a ridiculous reaction. But when we look in the the world that we live in, when we look in the streets that we live on, when we look in the families that we're a part of, and we see people rejecting the gift that we know is good, like these people, then all of a sudden it brings on a whole new light of, oh my gosh, this really isn't as ridiculous as it seems. This is reality. Mm -hmm. And I say it's not as ridiculous because somehow in the transition from story to real life, it does not, it loses its obviousness for whatever reason, because we've seen so many people throughout the course of history and especially, you know, currently in, in the lives that we're living now, I guarantee you everyone listening to this podcast knows someone in their family who re- has rejected the gift that God's offered them. Mm-hmm. And so when we see it, we see it like this parable where we're on the king side like why would you not come and to them for whatever reason they see that invitation as legitimate reason to run and flee mm-hmm. and i th- to me that's where the disconnect is because i don't understand why people would react that way i mean like i have ideas and i have theories but because i haven't reacted that way i don't have any real life experience as to why someone would and that doesn't mean that I'm smarter than that person or better than that person. It just means I don't understand. I don't have real life um, experience or reason for why I would look at the gift that God offers us through Jesus and go, you know what? Mm, no, thanks. I'm going to just go, you know, flee or kill one of your servants that told me about Jesus. Right. And obviously I feel like the killing of Jesus' servants, while it still happens, is much more rare than someone who just says, you know what? I don't want to yeah. talk about religion with you. I don't even know you. 
that's a much more common reaction. Ah, you, you, you believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe. It's common in America. Yeah. Because there are certainly places where... No, I'm saying there are certain places where people are being killed because right. of it. I'm not trying to downplay that, but I'm saying on the grand scale of time, mm-hmm. since Jesus came, many, 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 many Christians have been killed for what they believe in. Right. I'm not trying to downplay anyone who has died for their faith. I think that is something that should never be forgotten or downplayed. But I'm saying the percentages here of people who have been presented with the gospel, the overwhelming majority of those people do not in turn murder the messenger. Mm -mm. My guess is a lot of people just say, gee, thanks. Have a nice day. Did that make any sense? I feel like I'm talking really loudly and not really sure what I'm saying, but (laughs) no, I think it makes sense. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, uh, many are invited, you know. Um, I have a question. Mm-hmm. He said uh, to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, which means that there were people that were not invited. Mm-hmm. Am I reading that correctly? I think so. So is this where we get into the um, the severe Calvinistic hundred and, what is it? Or no, no, is it? I'm totally misspeaking here. The 144,000, is that Mormonism? Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses, thank you. I knew I was wrong. Calvinists, don't be mad. That's not what I meant. Calvinists are all, not all about, one of the things about Calvinism is the whole predetermination thing. Versus I think I'm a bit of a Calvinist. I, I, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I have, I have, uh, I definitely have Calvinistic uh, leanings. Mm-hmm. I, not a five-pointer. Are you a no-L Calvinist? Uh, remind me what L Limited is. Limited atonement. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably the biggest. But I'm also the whole free will versus predetermination thing. That, to me, is very interesting. Because why bother? Thinking about it? No, if it's all predetermined, why bother? That's my, I guess that's my thing. Well, but see, here, I feel like... There, there has to be a purpose to this life. Right, and, but I feel like the, there's, there's gradients of predetermination mm-hmm. that I feel like need to be defined. There's the uh, God hit play predetermination, and everything's playing out you know, exactly as he wrote it. Mm-hmm. Then there's the predetermination of the end is predetermined, we know God, who wins. Be, we know who wins, and that leads to the whole God. You know, in Genesis fifty, uh, you know, you meant these acts for evil, but God has meant them or is turning them for good, or whatever the phrasing is. Um, this this idea that we have decisions to make, we have choices to make, like choosing to follow God or not, mm-hmm. but none of those choices are outside of God's ability to predetermine the fact that this is how everything ends, right. and that sort of predetermination. And that might even that might not even be the right phrase here. Uh, I don't have enough friends that are Calvinists that I can really talk to. There's I read um, a really really good book called uh, Lectures on Calvinism by Abraham Kuyper. I want to say, um, and it's really, really, really good. I think it's back from like the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And yes, like C.S. Lewis says, read books by dead people. Exactly. I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. So if any of you guys are interested, guys or ladies, um, are interested in learning a bit more about what Calvinism is from someone who's crazy smart and really well spoken. That's what they're talking about. Yeah. So it's all transcripts of lectures he gave over, you know, a series of um, presentations at, I want to say, Princeton or Yale. Mm hmm. Um, I can't remember, but he's, he, this guy was like the, the president of Holland and like ran the university. Like this dude was a big time, uh, theologian and, and public figure in, in the, in, uh, the Netherlands back in the day. Um, anyways, wow. We, we went to predetermination versus free. Anyways, my, my issue with predetermination and free will in, in the tension there is, is what you said, like. Am I choosing right now to pick this glass off the table? Or, or did already? God preordain that yeah. how many bajillions of years ago when he was plotting this whole thing? Um, and does God's predetermination, or, and how far does free will extend? Is it just within the, the human, or does the galaxy have its own sort of free will? And that's why natural disasters occur. Right. Or is God saying, nope, tsunami those people, and earthquake those people? Um, or is that just a result of sin and everything kind of trending towards, um, oh, what's the what's the big word I'm looking for? Chaos, but what's the right word? Entropy. There we go. Um, I don't know. And it to bring this back to the parable... I find it interesting that there is an invited list and an uninvited list in this story. And in the last parable that there are workers in the vineyard and there are people that are not. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting to me to try and think about does limited atonement, is that a real thing? Or did Jesus really die for everybody and free will is a thing that God respects so much that certain people don't get invitations because they choose not to check the mail. Mm-hmm. Or does that mean that invitations aren't even sent and some people are predetermined to live and then die and then enjoy hell for the rest of their existence? That last one's a little scary. It makes God seem like kind of a jerk. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, in the parable at the end. So I, I, I think at this point, at verse four of 20, Matthew 22, when he says, he sent a servant, tell those who are invited, I prepared my dinner, come to the wedding feast. That's the Jewish people at this point. Mm-hmm. So I think in terms oh, yeah. of the beginning of this parable, he's still very much referring to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really good point. So at this point, because, uh, and I'll have to find this, but Acts 13, like 40-something, it talks about, there's kind of that statement of, this was for the Jews, and now we're going to open it up for the Gentiles. And See, I'm glad you're here because I was going off on this huge tangent, and you just brought it right back to like actually <laughs> well, making sense. I, I don't think it's completely a tangent because the, this is that's still in the parable. 
No, we you're may right. Not be there yet, but but, yeah. but your contextual reading of that helps me understand a lot better what Jesus is telling to these people. Okay, I totally like I totally got that in the parable of the tenants. I thought that was totally obvious, and not a week later, I'm reading the next parable, and not <laughs> I'm not even thinking about the Jews and the Pharisees versus the uh, you know um, believers, non-believers. Yeah, time. what's the word I'm looking for though? Um, Gentiles. Gentiles, yeah. I that that helps me understand this so much better. And it makes sense because Judaism is still actively practiced today. Mm-hmm. Alongside of Christianity. Yep. And so there is still this group of people that was presented this opportunity and has chosen to go a different direction. Yeah. Yeah, that helps me understand the parable uh, a lot better. I mean, obviously there's still questions about what it means for us now, but thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. And so they paid no attention. Went to One went off to his farm, the other to his business. So there's this element of they're choosing the things of the world. Um, and that was one of the things that stood out to me in this as well is, you know, um, it's a parable, and he really doesn't, like, go on this. For verse 5, doesn't say they do things like become super religious and value their, their self-righteousness and that sort of things. I mean, he very much is like, well, they chose things of the world. Um, and then there's are those that uh, seized the servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. And so, um, up to the point of, you know, John the Baptist, and then Jesus, and then all the disciples, you know, it, 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 it continues. And, um, is John the only one that doesn't get martyred? Yeah, he gets to, you know, go enjoy Pat- Patmos. Yeah. Patmos for, um, so that's where, um. We get to the feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can. I'm gonna look at the verse here. So Acts thirteen forty six, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, the Jews, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. <laughs> I love that. You judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. And so I think that's what's going on here is that, well, you decided you didn't want it. So here we go. That's a really interesting way of saying you don't want to accept the gift. You've deemed yourselves unworthy. Like, I got to imagine that ruffled a lot of feathers. Especially among like the Pharisees and the scribes that are, you know, thinking they're all that in a bag of chips, if I can use a phrase from the nineties. Yeah. But you've deemed yourselves I mean that that puts it in perspective, even though in how how clever is that? Um where God is saying, I'm willing to to do what's necessary to make you worthy by sending Jesus to die in your place. And Satan can 
so convincingly corrupt a person's outlook that they can look at that and say, they may not be saying it in their mind that, no, I'm unworthy of that. I can't accept the gift. They're so confident that they don't need it mm-hmm. that 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 I, a seed of, of unworthiness never comes up that way, you know? When Satan points puts that doubt in your in your mind, or just turns you a little bit by a little bit to do, you know, things that are not of God and and are of Satan. And uh, when you see something that is of God, you can't even recognize it because it doesn't fit the norm of of what life has become. And that's where you know, for me, when we talk about free will and predestination, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I. I can genuinely tell you that I am like one of the most humbling, just overwhelming thoughts for me is why have I chosen to accept this? Why do I believe this? Why was I fortunate enough to be, you know, born at a time and a place where I heard the gospel and, you know, responded to it and have pursued it? Because there's this part of me that's like, I'm not smart enough to to choose this. I don't like, so that's where I'm like, you know, it is truly irresistible grace. You know, it's just God has done it. I have not done it. And I have just a hard time just wrapping my head around the, well, did I really choose him? I feel like I didn't have a, like, it's not that I didn't have a choice. It's, it's truly a, I, I, I can't imagine myself doing anything but that. And now granted, I didn't have a, you know, I didn't live life um and then have to come back to God or 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 um you know, I I grew up hearing it even though my parents weren't, you know, Christian when I was younger. I still uh, I think I've shared this before, the, the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> I heard that in the early 70s as a small child. And even Andrew Lloyd Webber's version of, the, of Jesus, I guess it's the gospel story. That seems weird to say that. But, <laughs> but it was something that like, resonated in me, even as a little kid, with this movie, because it was a movie that I saw, I didn't go see the musical on Broadway as a four-year-old. Um, it, it it struck a chord with me. I was like, I, I believe that this Jesus is who he is. And there's, uh, I think it's a, and I know I've probably talked about this in an earlier podcast, but um, I think it's Jesus before Pontius Pilate, but I'm not 100% on that. But I just remember even as a child, the words just being like, this is really God. This He is who he says he is. And I don't know, well, I know it comes only from God. And so it's hard for me to say, I chose that because for me personally, my experience was I knew nothing but to choose that and gravitate towards that. And, and even we didn't, the first time I actually heard the gospel message of you can pray to receive Jesus Christ and have him come into your life and you can be forgiven of all your sins. First time I actually heard somebody say that, I was like, yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah. And again, we throw that term fire insurance around. 
but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's there's very much a if you have a sense of eternal damnation of this is what my fate is, and you believe that, why would you not grab a hold of an offer to be saved? That's not a word we use a lot anymore. Saved. Do we? Do Christians throw that word around a lot now? I think it depends on what circles you run in. What circles you run in. Because, yeah, it was, I felt like it was a, a phrase I heard a lot when I was younger, which would have been the early 80s. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely think it depends on where you live and what denomination you are. Yeah, but I don't hear it much yeah. anymore. So, yeah. I heard someone refer to another person as born again the other day. I was just like, another one you don't hear. I have not heard. And it was a non Christian talking about a friend that was like, well, he's born again now. So we had to do things a little differently (laughs) this time around. And frankly, I'll tell you exactly what it was. I, I watch professional wrestling and I like it a lot. In fact, I'm probably going to watch some tonight. And there was this documentary on triple H who's been one of the top guys in WWE for like 20 years. In fact, he's like this chief operating officer now. Um, and they're doing this documentary on his career. And one of the guys that he was aligned with for a long time was Shawn Michaels. And Shawn Michaels was not a Christian. And at some point in the late 90s, early 2000s, Shawn Michaels got saved. And so when he came back, they had to completely change their Degeneration X gimmick <laughs> to be where if there was anything raunchy going on, it was when Sean wasn't paying attention. Like uh, he'd walk off camera to go do something and Triple H would have these ladies, you know, <laughs> because, and, and it was out of respect for their friendship and the fact that Sean had changed uh-huh. how he lived yeah. for a reason that he and I deemed to be legitimate. And the fact that his friend, who I don't, I don't think Triple H is a Christian. I mean, they got married in a church, but for him to be like, he's my good friend. I'm going to, I'm going to, and for the company too, that clearly doesn't give a crap about, you know, anything remotely, uh, at least not then they didn't, uh, for them to honor that choice in his life to be played out on screen where he wasn't involved in anything that was morally questionable, Mm -hmm. even though it was acting just like. And he's the one that referred to, oh, he, he's born again now, so we had to do things differently. And I was just like, I was just blown away. Because one, I had no idea that Shawn Michaels was a Christian. Right. And I'm super glad that he is, because I want him to teach me how to wrestle in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just so yeah, your saved and born again thing was, uh, yeah. Just, out of, what do people say now? Oh, are you a Christian? Probably. Or do you go to church? would be like the safe question. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Don't hear that one very often either. All right, so then when the king came, this is what I find interesting. So they send people out. Some of them die. Some of them don't. They all reject it. They go get new people, invite the new people, Gentiles. But then when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had on no wedding garment, just kind of chilling. Mm-hmm. And then the king says, how did you get in here? And the guy was speechless, probably because he was standing in front of the king, or in this case, God, realizing at that very moment, oh, no. Yeah. 
And then the king said to tenants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Let's leave that last line for later. But I mean, dude, I mean, talk about a final judgment. Mm-hmm. I got, I've, I've kind of always like inwardly hope that like at the end, God would be like, any last takers <laughs> now that you've seen the glory and the power and the majesty. Um, but there's no wedding garment for this guy. Now, how he gets in is a better question. Yeah. I feel like heaven should have the best security ever. <laughs> but I just find it, I find it very telling of God's sense of justice that even at the wedding party, he was going to find someone who has not been invited into the kingdom. And even though they're already there and they've seen it, he's still going to send them. Mm-hmm. Like, some people may call that cold or mean or, you know, whatever, but it's when you actually understand the definition of justice, that's what it is. You get what is right based on what you've done to deserve whatever the scenario is. And for whatever reason, he didn't accept the invitation yet somehow wound up in there. But the fact that he did not accept the invitation his just punishment is to not be at the party. Mm-hmm. <coughs> now, I've read where the if the king was throwing the party, he would have invited people, and they would have been provided with wedding garments when they got inside. Mm-hmm. And so this guy would have been somebody that would have been... But it doesn't say that. It says, how did you get in here? Right? It's not just a, what'd you do with your wedding garment? It was, well, I wonder if that's one of those Jesus questions where he's just asking. He's just saying. Uh, to, try so, and, to try and get you to respond. Okay, so maybe the better question is, is what is the wedding garment then? Um, so regardless of whether it's given to us or we show up, he says, you have no wedding garment. How did you get in here without a wedding garment? He was speechless. And so basically gets kicked out because he doesn't have a wedding garment. I'm going to say that the wedding garment's the iPhone and the mark of the beast is the Android. That's what I'm <laughs> just kidding, people. Just kidding. Uh, I, I have no idea what the wedding garment is. I'm assuming it's the righteousness of Christ because, um, and I can't think of an exact spot here, but when, I think it's in Paul's letters, that when we you know we die with Christ or buried with Christ and are raised back to life with Christ we have taken off you know our sin and put on the righteousness of God the righteousness of of Jesus so that when we are presented to God holy and blameless uh you know as 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 the bride um i would imagine it is a physical metaphor for the righteousness of Jesus yeah that we receive freely just a guess though yeah, I mean that would be my my assumption as well that it's it's that uh nothing we can do, nothing it's not our effort, it's not our works, but it's very much the grace and the and it's definitely not a tuxedo t-shirt. <laughs> That's probably what that guy had on. <laughs> it's very possible. I really want that to be the show title, but it won't be cuz that's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the the last line, 
Uh, for many are called, but few are chosen. Ooh. Yeah, that's... It sounds like an advertisement for the Marines or something like that. <laughs> dum, 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 dum. Many are called. Few are chosen. The few, the proud, chosen. Yeah, good question. <laughs> that we kind of danced around earlier. Well, I mean, we left it till the end. It seems weird. Like, I feel like if I'm going to call you, that's me choosing you. Mm-hmm. You know? Because it would make more sense if it was for many are called, but few have chosen. That makes more sense. Yes. Um, but yeah, this phrasing, for many are called, but few are chosen, leaves me not knowing what to think. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw it to our listeners okay. to see what they think about this passage. And then they can let us know what they think, and then we can report back next episode. So, dear listeners, this last verse, verse 14 of chapter 22 in the book of Matthew. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let us know what your thoughts are specifically about this verse, first of all. Then secondarily, but equally as important, what your thoughts are about the rest of uh, what we said, especially, you know, maybe free will versus predetermination, Calvinism versus Arminianism, or Molinism if you're a philosopher and want to go the middle road. Um, Genuinely, we want to know what you think, because Dave and I are, while not physically, I think, metaphorically scratching our heads about this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in respect of your time, we're going to kill the episode here. Um, but you can get in touch with us. Um, emails hello at supermegacorp.net, or you can get Dave on Twitter at ten eight HBO. Send him some love. He broke his arm. We didn't say that, so make sure make sure you send him lots of funny pictures on Twitter ten eight HBO. And I'm at Cam Brennan. Um, and we'll be back next time. Bye. Bye.